Can you hear me now? Good. What was that commercial back in the day of Verizon? Can you hear me now? Excellent. So let's turn to the Word of God. The Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 16 to 21. A familiar passage, and I'm sure many of you have John 3.16 memorized. I can probably go to the smallest child in here, and they probably have this memorized. It's a great passage, so let us hear from the Word of God. The Word says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. And this is the word of our Lord. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today, Lord. We thank you for your Son, the salvation that only comes through Faith in Jesus Christ. May your word be proclaimed clearly today. May you open our eyes and our ears and our hearts and our minds to receive what you have to say. May the saints come away from here encouraged to live for you and to preach your word and to share the gospel. And if there's anyone here today who has not trusted in the only name, the name above all names to be trusted in for salvation, may they believe today, Lord. What is impossible with man is possible with you. So please, Lord, save your people from their sins. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. The most searched Bible verse on Google is John 3.16. This has even been seen at sporting events by people holding up a sign that says John 3.16. Athletes will often write this on themselves somewhere so that the television cameras can pick up this verse, John 3.16. Many of you might remember Tim Tebow. He was a talented former college football and professional football player who tried to play baseball for a little while with the New York Mets. But he is a Christian. And when he was in college, he led his team to the national championship. And during the game, as many players do, he put these black stickers under his eyes. And on those stickers, he wrote John 3.16. And years later, in an interview with Harry Connick Jr., he recalls this. Tebow says, We were playing the national championship in college, January 8, 2009. And I decided to wear John 3.16 under my eyes. Tebow goes on to say, during the game, 93 million people decided to Google John 3.16. Tebow says it was a pretty cool moment. There is so much in this one verse. This verse, John 3.16, tells of the love of God 
It tells of those who God loves. It tells of what God has given. It tells of who receives that gift. This can be all unpacked in this one verse. And we will stay in this verse for a while, but still go through this whole passage. As we walk through this text today, I pray that we come away from here knowing this is the most important thing. I'll tell you up front. Come away from here knowing that God loves you. Come away from here knowing that your sins are forgiven. I pray that you come away from here knowing that you, right now, as you've trusted in Christ, you have eternal life. I also pray that you come away from here knowing what happens if you do not believe. I pray that you know what happens to people who are unbelievers. They do not receive eternal life, but they receive damnation. But may you believe and know. And I also pray that once you know, you will go away from here telling others that they can have eternal life in Christ. This morning we will look at this passage in three parts. First, the love. Second, the loved ones. And third, the judged ones. But let's begin with love. John 3.16, this verse says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. What is love? This verse is often translated as it is here, for God so loved. Expressing as though God loved the world so much, with an S and a million O's afterwards. God loved the world so much. And yes, he does love the world. But this verse is actually better translated, this word so, translated thus, or in this manner, or in this way. So John 3.16 actually is saying, for God loved the world in this way. In what way? How did God love the world? He loved the world in this way, that he gave his only begotten son to be lifted up on a cross and crucified. In the previous verses in John 3.14 and 15, we read Jesus telling Nicodemus that the Son of Man must be lifted up as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert. And all who look to him shall be saved. What is love? Do you love? Do you love your mother? Do you love your father? Do you love your spouse? Do you love your sister, brother, friend, neighbor? Would you give the life, not just your own life, but the life of someone else in order to show your love for others? How about this? Would you give the life of someone else for someone who hated you. You and I were enemies of God. Our sinful, rebel hearts were bent away from the Holy God. We, in fact, hated God. We did not deserve the love of God in any form. Yet it says here, God loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son. God gave his Son to be lifted up and nailed to a cross. God gave his only unique son. There is no one like the Son of God. There is no one like Jesus Christ. The eternal Son, now become flesh, was given for imperfect sinners who hate God. 
Romans 5, verse 7. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we now have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The Son of God was given for you, an ungodly person, to reconcile you to himself. Not after you started to love God, not after you cleaned yourself up and pulled yourself up by your bootstraps, but while you were a sinner, while the stench of sin was still on you, you were his enemy. But God saves his enemies. God saves sinners. I saw a movie once where there were these soldiers training, and then there was this one soldier. He looked very puny. didn't look like he could defend anything. Yet there was this one sergeant who believed in him. But the other sergeants and the people in charge were very skeptical of this soldier. So one day these soldiers are training and the sergeant is over to the side talking to these other generals, arguing over this one weak soldier. They're saying, you have to cut him. He's not worth it. He's not going to make it. So this sergeant takes a grenade and throws it in the middle of the training. And everybody scatters and runs, except this one puny soldier. He jumps on the grenade to absorb the impact of the explosion. Now he did this for all those who scattered. Maybe some were his friends. Maybe some weren't his friends. But that grenade was a fake. The sergeant was just testing this man because he knew he would sacrifice himself. Jesus knows those for whom he is jumping on the grenade for. Not his friends. We were his enemies. And the grenade that Jesus jumps on is not a fake. He took the full explosion of the wrath of God against sinners. He did this for you, dear Christian. He did this to bring you to himself. Many in war and other places die to save others. Firemen rush into burning buildings. Police risk their lives every day. The Coast Guard risks dangerous waters to save those who are stuck at sea. These are for people who they don't know. Jesus died for whom he knows. Jesus died for the very people who put him on the cross. My sin, your sin, deserves the wrath of God, yet Jesus took that wrath. The punishment for those who rebel against him. Why? Because God loves you in this way, that he gave his only begotten, unique, one-of-a-kind son, whom he loves. Now you can recall back in Genesis... Abraham was told to give his son. But unlike that story, where God called Abraham right before the knife came down on his son to stop, God did not stop the knife, the, the nails from the wrists and the feet of Jesus. He gave his son. Isaiah 53, verse 2 says, But he was pierced for our transgression, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. 
God loved the world in this way, that he gave his son. But who is the world? In the beginning of John 3, Jesus is talking with Nicodemus, a teacher of the Jews. And the Jews were seen as the people of God. They were the people of God, called out to be God's people. God was thought to be only the God of the Jewish people. They thought only they worshipped rightly, only they had God. But now the offer of salvation goes out to the world beyond the Jewish nation. God loves his creation. God loves the world. God loves the world in this way. Matthew Henry writes, So far God loved the apostate lapsed world, that he sent his son with a fair proposal, that whoever believes in him, one or other, shall not perish. Salvation has been of the Jews, but now Christ is known as salvation to the ends of the earth, a common salvation. Jesus told Nicodemus in the beginning of chapter 3, you must be born again. He told him, anyone who looked upon the Son who was lifted up and believes shall have eternal life. Not just the Jewish people, the offer now goes out to the world. It goes out to us. What a beautiful Loving thing. And here again, in verse 16, is the continuation of that conversation he had with Nicodemus. If anyone believes on the Son who is lifted up, you shall be saved, just as those in the desert who looked on the serpent were saved from the snake bites. This brings us to our second point, the loved ones. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You are here today. I can assume that you believe. I can assume that you have eternal life because you trusted in the gift of the Son given by the Father. I can assume that you are the whoever that John 3.16 refers to. But I will ask this anyway. Have you believed on Jesus Christ? Have you looked upon the sinless Savior for your salvation? Have you looked upon the one, the only righteous one, who suffered hell on the cross for all who believe? Are you believing? That is what this text says. Those believing should not perish. The believing ones are given eternal life. This is how God loved the world, that he gave his Son for all who believe. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Christian, you have believed. You are not condemned. Your sins are forgiven. By grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. There's no other way into heaven. You must be born again. Have you been born again? There is therefore now a little condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No, that's not what that verse says. There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Because whoever believes is not condemned. Believer, Jesus was condemned in your place. He suffered in your place. He took hell on the cross in your place. The hell was meant for you, it was meant for me, but Jesus willingly jumped in that hell and took it for us. 
then one day your eyes, your ears, and your hearts were opened to believe this, to see this, to believe in the one lifted up on the cross. God has forgiven your sins. He keeps no record of your sins. Your account is cleared. I once heard a pastor tell a story of a man who bought this very expensive car. It was like over $100,000, like more than I will ever see in my lifetime. But it was a very, very expensive car. And one day this car breaks down. These cars weren't supposed to break down. But one day it did. So he calls the dealership and says, where do I take this to get it fixed? And the dealership said, well, there's no mechanics in your area that know how to fix this car. So they flew one out to him. So the mechanic fixed the car, and at the end, the man asked him, okay, how much do I owe you? Do I pay you, or do I get a bill? And the mechanic said, "Uh, I don't know, I think they send you a bill. So months go by, and he still didn't get a bill, so he calls the dealership. And he gets on the phone with the representative, and they're saying, oh, sir, yeah, hold on, let me check your account. Comes back on the phone and says, sir, we have no account of your car ever being broken down. See, because those cars weren't supposed to break down. So they didn't keep records if they did break down. God has no record of your sin. Your sins are forgiven. Your account is clear. But it's better than that. Not only is your account clear, there's righteousness in your account. You are seen as righteous. God loved you in this way. 1 John 3.1 See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called the children of God. So we are. Not only is the love of God a forgiving love, but is also the love of a great Father who has adopted you into his family. You are far off from God, but he has brought you in. In his love, you have been predestined before the foundation of the world for adoption. 1 John 4, 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but he has loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Brothers and sisters, if you have believed, you are the loved ones of God. He loved you before you could even love him. We were enemies of God, doing nothing but sin, but God has snatched you out of the fire, and again, his son willingly jumped in for you. His son is our propitiation. He is our sin offering. He is the acceptable sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I implore you today, I beg you today, if you haven't, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But not only have you been saved, But Jesus makes you clean. He gives you a new heart to do his will. And now, as the loved ones of God, who are believing on him, we can live through Christ. He saves and sanctifies by grace through faith. Verse 21. But whoever does not, but whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Now we walk in his works that he has prepared for us to do. Christians do good things only by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God will be glorified. And Jesus even prays for us to live this way. In John 17, verse 17, he says, Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. The loved ones of God are those believing. Those are the believing ones. Those who have been born again. We are sanctified by the Holy Spirit and through the reading of the word. And from this, we will do the works of God. Matthew Henry again says of this, Our works are then good, and we bear the test. When the will of God is the rule of them, and the glory of God is the end of them. When they are done in his strength, and for his sake, to him and not to men. And if, by the light of the gospel, it be manifest to us that our works are thus wrought, then shall we have rejoicing. You, if you have believed, are the loved ones of God, doing the works of God for his glory by his power. And this brings us to our third point, the judged ones. Verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Do you have friends and family members do not know the Lord. I'm sure you do. I'm sure we all do. Do they continue to reject Christ? Do they say things to you when you speak to them about this? Well, if it works for you, that's fine. It's your thing. Or maybe they say, well, you know, you have your church thing. I'm spiritual. I'm not really religious. Or maybe they just flat out reject Christ altogether. No matter what they say, the rejection of Christ is the same. They reject the God they know exists. They do so just like how you and me used to. It's because they hate God. They are condemned. Their sin brings a just condemnation of a holy God. But there is hope. We do not know if their rejection will continue. Again, what is impossible with man is possible with God. But if they continue in their unbelief, Their condemnation is sure. If a person remains unbelieving, they remain condemned. If you do not believe, you in here today, if you do not believe, the wrath of God remains on you. Jesus later in John 8, when speaking to the Jews, says in verse 24, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. In this verse, Jesus says, you must believe that I am. In the Greek, it's just ego eimi. It doesn't say I am he, it just says I am. And Jesus is referring back, actually, to Exodus, when God speaks to Moses out of the burning bush and asks, who shall I say sent me? And he says, I am has sent you. This is the name of God. Jesus is saying, unless you believe that I am, unless you believe I am who I am, unless you believe I am Yahweh, unless you believe I am God, you will die in your sins. You must believe in the Son of God. You must believe that He is God. There is no other option. He is God in the flesh, the light of the world. Verse 19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. Jesus is the light of the world. The one who is the light and the life of men. He comes into the world. He comes to his own people and they reject him. 
The Jews were seeing miracles and hearing him preach, and they still rejected him because they loved the darkness. Picture an abandoned building or an abandoned house. There's no one been living there for years, decades. It's dark, it's dirty, but there is life there. Various rodents, insects, and creatures all lurk in the darkness. But then one day, someone decides to explore that building, and they come in with flashlights. And what happens when the flashlights are turned on? These bugs and these rodents scatter. That is the way with the sinner, when the light of the gospel is shined on them. They either come to the light, or like these bugs and insects, they reject it and run away and hide. Your sins done in private are seen by God. You may think you're keeping them in the dark, but he sees. Don't be afraid to have them exposed. Come in faith. Be forgiven. Stop hiding from the God who knows your heart. Many even think, like the Pharisees did, that their good works and their charity are enough to make them good with God. You might think you can cover up your bad deeds with some good deeds. The Pharisees tithed, they prayed, they worshipped, but they still rejected the light. Inwardly, they were wicked. They loved power, and they prayed, Thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that man. I'm not like that tax collector. But the tax collector prayed, Have mercy on me, a sinner. And this, again, is the effect of the light. People in the day of Jesus either came to him when their sins were exposed, like the woman at the well did, or they ran and they hid and they rejected him and wanted him killed. There's nothing new under the sun. Maybe you've experienced this. Maybe you've shared the gospel with someone and they believe right then and there. You expose the light of Christ to them against the backdrop of their dark, sinful heart, like a jeweler displaying diamonds on a black cloth. The black backdrop allows the jeweler to see the imperfections just as the light of Christ allows us to see our sin. You shine the light of Christ in the sinner's heart and they hear the gospel, and by the power of the Spirit, they come, because they're cut to the heart. But other times you share the gospel, and people run away. They don't want to hear it. They scatter from the light, because their evil hearts are dark. They'd rather continue in their calloused, evil heart, and hide in the darkness. While it is true that if they continue in their unbelief and die in their sins, please don't be discouraged by that. Be encouraged. We must continue to share and pray and trust God's will be done and his kingdom come. I have many friends and family, and again, I'm sure you do too, who appear to be in the darkness, loving the darkness rather than the light. But I, myself, also love the darkness rather than the light. I'm here speaking to you today of that very light that I ran from for 30 plus years. I am the whoever in John 3.16. If you have believed, you are the whoever in John 3.16. He gave his son for you. He gave his son for me. He has transferred you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his marvelous light. You are not judged. You are not condemned. You are not hellbound anymore. You have been judged righteous. You are made worthy to be in the kingdom. Again, adopted as a son, adopted as a daughter. You are royalty. Why? Why do you get this? Because God loves you. 
But let's not forget that while God loves, he, again, is also just. And a just God must deal with rebellious sinners. He is perfectly just in the judgment of condemnation of all who rebel against him. The judgment of hell is a just punishment. And while sin separates us from God in the sense that his gracious love does not abide with the sinner, his holy presence is known in hell. And the sinner will still hide from a righteous God. Our reaction of the light really should be, as Isaiah chapter 6 says, when he's in the presence of God, Woe is me! I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. Or we should be as Peter, when Jesus told him to pull the big cast of fish up through the nets. When he says, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. In both cases, the Lord showed mercy. He set the cherubim with a hot coal to cleanse the lips of Isaiah. But there is no relief for the sinner who continues in their sin. They must say, woe is me, and humble themselves and come before God on their knees. Or they become callous, even in hell, as the holiness of God is still present. But if you're here today and you are dead in your sins, there's good news. You can be made alive in Christ. Listen again to this passage with fresh ears. For God so loved the world in this way, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is being offered to you today. He's being offered to you today. You can believe on him right now. You do not have to perish. You do not have to spend eternity in hell. You can have eternal life right now. And be encouraged to share this truth. Shine the light of Christ on your unbelieving friend, your unbelieving family member, your unbelieving neighbor, even strangers. Share the light of the world. The word of God is powerful and effective. There's a story a preacher tells of a man who came into an evening service one night when he was preaching. This man, during the sermon, just walked from the back, sat right up in the front, and he's holding a manila envelope, and he had this very sorrowful look on his face. So the preacher continued to preach. Then after the sermon, he got down and went directly to that man. That man had never been in a church. This was his first time in a church. And he hands the preacher the manila envelope. And the man says, I only have three weeks to live. He says, I've never been scared of anything in my life, but I'm scared to die. So the preacher says to him, did you listen to what I've preached? I was preaching the gospel. Do you understand that? He's like, I understand. A child can understand, but I'm still, I'm still not sure that I'm saved. So the preacher, even though he had a flight to catch that night, he says to him, Sir, I will stay here until you understand, until you die. I will cancel my flight. I will stay here until you understand or until you die. So they start going through the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, they keep going. The preacher says, do you understand now? How, do you understand that you have eternal life if you believe? He's like, I still, I, still don't, I still don't get it. So the preacher said, okay, read John 3.16 one more time. The man said, but I've, I've read it already. Just read it one more time. So the man starts reading it out loud. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave 
And he stops. And he starts to weep. And he says, I'm saved! I'm saved! And the preacher, somewhat surprised, says, How do you know now? And the man says to the preacher, Have you not read this? That is the power of God. That is the truth of God. For God loved the world in this way, for God so loved the world in this way, that he gave his only son. And all you need to do, easy to say, sometimes hard to do, is believe. That's it. Just believe that God gave his son for you. Insert your name in that whoever. God gave his son to Daryl. I believe. And if you don't believe, pray. Help my unbelief, Lord. Help my unbelief. There's no greater love than what he has given. If you have not believed and continue in your sin and unbelief, the truth is you will die in your sin. That's just as true as that you can be saved today. I do not say this to scare you, although it should scare you. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But I say this in hopes that your sin is exposed and you don't run away, but you run to the loving arms of the Father. Flee from the righteous wrath of God. Flee from self-righteousness. Flee into the merciful, loving arms of a loving Father who sent his Son to die for those who hate him. And I will end with this. Again, you're here. You're in church. I could assume that you're a Christian. But if you're not sure, if you have not believed, you're not sure if you've believed, do not walk out those doors to your car until you know. You can know. The Bible says, God says, Christ says, you can know by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you never know what's going to happen once you walk out that door. Life is a vapor. And I don't know you very well, but I love you too much to let you spend eternity in hell. So if you're not sure, talk to an elder before you leave. Talk to me. Talk to another brother or sister who knows. Don't leave here today unless you know you are the whoever this passage is talking about. Let us pray. Father, we do not deserve the gift that you give us of your son. The gift of his righteousness, the gift of forgiveness. Yet you give it to us. Lord, may we always look to that. May we look to what you've given, what your word says, your promises, not always our circumstances, but your promises. May we look to John 3.16 in a new way, that you loved us in this way, that you give and you give and you give. You can't give anything more than what you've given us, Lord. So may we know that, appreciate that, love that, look to that. May we look to your Son lifted up on the cross for us. May we behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. May you get all the glory in our salvation, knowing that we just believe, and that's by your power, to regenerate us to be born again. May we know, may we not leave here today until we know that you love us and you sent your Son. May the Holy Spirit fill us. May we go away from here encouraged to share this good news with those who don't know and to live in it every day, your salvation. Today is the day of salvation. 
I pray everything in the saving name of Jesus Christ. Amen.